So my mom is a nurse, so I just thought, I'll just be a nurse. And then once I was a nurse, I was like, well, I better, you know, become a nurse practitioner. But I think that in this life, it's so short and we can do anything we want to. So just do it. Don't be scared to go for it and see what happens. I mean, what's the worst? You're going to fail. Oh, well, on to the next. So the question is this, how do most agents find the secrets to succeed in today's competitive real estate market, especially when the top agents are keeping those secrets to themselves? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Amuchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Hey, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Muchastegui. I am back. This is going to be a very, very exciting episode. I'm super excited about it. So I don't know how many months ago it was uh, that Sarah reached out to me. She was listening to the podcast. We started chatting on Instagram. She started sharing some of the secrets that she's used to succeed as an agent. And in all those conversations we were doing back and forth, there was just so much interaction with the state of the markets, with the other posts. And I finally asked her to, to apply to come on the podcast. And so today we don't just have Sarah, but we also have her husband. So today we're interviewing Sarah and Matt Denig. The, uh, they are a, Sarah is an agent. Matt is a lender. You know, they work together on all sorts of stuff. They work separately on all sorts of different stuff. But uh, we are going to talk about all things real estate today for agents, for, for mortgage, all sorts of stuff. So Sarah and Matt, thanks for coming on. Thank you so much, Aaron. This is a bucket list item. As I told you <laughs> when I was writing you, um, I decided to put it on my bucket list to be on a podcast. So here we are. And I could not be more excited. Yeah. Look forward to it. Yeah. Our timing was great. Especially if you put it on the, if you put it, it on your bucket list to get on here, it is quite, it, it, and for an agent, man, it is the, it is the show to come on to. Well, how long ago did you start listening? Probably in the last year. All right. So I did remember sometime in the last year, you started kind of reaching out and chatting. And in some of those early conversations, there were a lot of uh, kind of tricks and things that, that you guys were doing. But how long have you been an agent? So I'm going into my fourth year right now. So you're on year four. Mm -hmm. and, the, and what were you doing before you were an agent? So I have been a nurse for 15 years and I've been a nurse practitioner for eight so I'm actually still practicing uh, because if you don't take, if you don't work so many hours, you have to take boards every five years. And I don't want to do that. So I still practice two days a week. Uh, but I, when I got into it, I was full time each year. I've cut back on my days. So the goal is to go to one day now because I'm doing real estate full time and it's, it's busy. It's keeping us busy. I didn't realize you were still practicing as, as, a, as a nurse practitioner. So yeah. So, and at the very beginning, you were still full-time as a nurse and doing real estate on the side? Yeah. And I got pregnant with my second or my first day of uh, real estate training. So that was interesting. So, um, but that was really fun. But so why I got into it though, is I was going to the hospital when it was dark out. I was getting home when it was dark out and I was there for 12 hours and I just felt like we were having a family and I wanted to buy my time back. So Matt was absolutely crushing it and mortgage lender side. He had all these great relationships and I saw what he was doing. So I decided to get my license and jump on board. Matt, when did you get into mortgage? Uh, I joined Fairway Mortgage in 2012. So this will be my ninth year. All right. What state are you guys in? Indiana. Fisher's Indiana. Fisher, Indiana. The There was another city you put on your application. McCordsville? It's the same. It's same, thing? same thing. Same deal. The, yep. 
I, uh, yeah, I've been to a lot of States. I have not been to Indiana yet. I'll have what? to add, add it to my list. <laughs> you know, last year we did 17 States on our, on our RV travel and we got to hit a whole bunch of areas, but the, that is one of the States I still need to add to the list. The, uh, the first part of your, the Hoosier state. Yeah. First part of your story is pretty familiar. The, when my, I had been in real estate for a while and when my wife was pregnant with our second baby and we had a newborn, she started studying to become a broker and she started becoming to become a broker because at that time I was buying, fixing and selling houses Yeah, and I thought she could be the agent to sell these. And it was the same deal. She was working nights at a casino. She was a waitress. So yeah. she would come home at like three, four in the morning and she would, you know, study for her tests and stuff while I'd yeah. be heading off to work. And what's it like to, what, what's it like for both of you guys to work with your spouse? It is. I'll let you go first. Super fun sometimes. <laughs> uh, sometimes I know I get on his nerves because I need everything right now. And, uh, but it's really great because what kind of our deal is, is if we have a client, we can basically put out any fire before it becomes a fire. We get ahead of everything because we're always together. So the second I find something out, I, you know, let him know and he can get ahead of it, anything like that. So it's been, it's been really well. And Matt sold new home sales for how long before he was in mortgages? About 10 years. I sold new construction homes as well. So familiar kind of with both sides. So that, that was great. He worked for Ryland, which is now Lennar. But so having that to that side was very knowledgeable for me. So he has been such a wealth of knowledge for me to just bounce things off of. Can you check all these things? What have you seen? How have this played out in the past? What would you do? So he's kind of served as a mentor when I got in the business as well. So that's been great having your spouse do those things for you. It's awesome. If you were going to give people advice on how to succeed with working with your spouse, what's one piece of advice you'd give them? Patience. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I think you have to have patience. And I mean, because you would talk to your spouse, unlike you would another agent, right? Mm -hmm. So you're just going to be straight to the point. You're going to be, you know, Hey, here's what it is. I mean, you know, aggressive, you're not fluffing anything. Whereas typically you're going to be, you know, as nice as you can fluff it up, talk to them. Well, with your spouse, it's just, Hey, here's what's going on. It's not, <laughs> and, Hey, how's the family doing? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's no nice. there's no small talk as you get going. And you know, there's all sorts of people that work with family in all sorts of different industries. And and I've done it in a lot of my different businesses. And you know, and whether it's you know agents working together, we've had you know I've interviewed some mother daughter teams on yeah. here that have worked together. And the challenge for the daughter was mostly that her mom had been in the business for a long time, and so her mom was getting all of their uh, sphere stuff. So anybody inside their sphere, usually you could go to your parents' friends and say, hey, I'm an agent now. But she couldn't do that because everybody yeah. in her sphere, her mom was already representing. So she yeah. got to learn from her, but that created extra challenges that sometimes they didn't have. So let's yeah. talk about your first year in real estate. So you were still yeah. full-time practitioner. How, like, how did that go? How did it go your first six months in real estate? So this is really funny. I did my first open house on our street where we live. And my first open house, I got my first listing at 525 from somebody who walked in. So it was really great. I listed it, did all the marketing, did all these open houses, but that did not sell. They took it off the market because we overpriced it. And I knew it was overpriced, but it was brand new. And I was having a hard time having that conversation, but that was their bottom number they need to have. So that was like such a great learning experience for me that it just didn't work out, but I learned a lot. So that was 2017. So 2017, you went and held an open house, which we talked to a lot of people about. That's a way to get leads. Yeah. You had somebody come in and they said, I want you to sell my house. 
and the and so you said great and they said here's my price but again you're new and and it's kind of like you'd rather have you don't want to turn away a list if it's your first listing you don't want to turn away a listing yeah but what so what did you learn from that experience i learned that at the end of the day you just have to be real. You just have to tell them what you know, look at the comps. And um, like I said, I can go in and stage any house. That's kind of what I like to do. Make it look as good as possible. Uh, I always send in a cleaning crew uh, before I list a house, do all the marketing. I'm big on social. So those are some things that I do, but I didn't know all those things at the time. Like I didn't know how to put it all together. Uh, I was just like, yes, sir, let's do that. You're, I work for you. That sounds great. When in fact, it was just kind of a waste of my time, but it really wasn't because I learned so much. Yeah. You still got to learn from that process, but there is, I've seen a lot of people that have um, listings like that. And they, yeah. say, they say, essentially, they don't want to turn down the listing. And they're like, well, let's just give it a try just in case. Like maybe yeah. an offer will come in or maybe an offer will come in that's less than what they wanted, but maybe they will take it. And so let's go through that process. But I think more often than not, if you're educated as an agent and you know how much it's, you know where the market is, you know how much it's going to sell for, then I think you know most of the time now if it's going to be a waste of time or not. Have you had any listings since then that you ended up turning down because the people had a bottom line they weren't going to be able to hit? No. Wow, just a very unlucky first one then. The rest of the time you sold it. But it was a pretty lucky one though, because that got me... I promoted it on Facebook and I started, you know, it was right after I announced, Hey everybody, I'm into real estate. You know, you should use me. And then I came through with a listing. So that was really nice for me. Well, I think that the average price point in Indiana is closer to, you know, two and a quarter to two fifty. So it was definitely, you know, twice the average here as well. So it's a little bit higher, you know, for the Indianapolis Carmel area, uh, Fishers area. So that kind of played into it along with, you know, the current conditions in the market at that time as well. Yeah. And I think I got really lucky um, again, because going from being a nurse to real estate is such a great transition because I went from treating people when they were sick in a vulnerable situation to making the biggest purchase or selling the biggest purchase that they've ever had. So, you know, I was able to take the empathy and the listening skills because everybody wants a practitioner who listens to them and makes them feel like they care. And that's the same in real estate. So whether you're helping somebody bring their first baby to the house that they're going to raise their kids in or the emotional state of I raised my kids in this and I'm going to sell it and I want somebody really good to get it who's going to love it as much as I do. Or on the flip side of that, uh, a family that's divorcing and it's like heartbreaking or spouse dies, like just using your best skills for each situation and being that source of, you know, help. So right now today, I uh, staged a house yesterday, had a housekeeper come, you know, she has a basement that she never used. I turned it into zones and people are always like, oh my gosh, I wish I would have done this so much further, like, or long ago, sorry. Um, but I actually have her dog with me right now because I try <laughs> to make the transition as stress-free for them as possible. So I'll take your dog, I'll clean your house, I'll stage your house. Well, I send in professional, uh, professional cleaner, but, um, you know, just full service, full service real estate. So we try to do. Yeah. That was one of the things I saw at the very beginning that you started sharing on social media was kind of here, here we're going above, we're staging the house. I think there was one of you out there, like actually cleaning it. You're like doing some sweeping and getting it ready to carpet lines, always carpet lines. Yeah. (laughs) Trying trying to make sure that it shows the best possible. So how do you, how can you afford to stage the house? How do you, how do you do it? Do you just pay a staging company? Do you have stuff that you move around and do it? 
So when I started, I would just pull stuff out of our house. So we love to decorate like for everything. We have so much decor. But so I would pull stuff off the wall and Matt would be like, oh my gosh, the house is bare. You have a listing again. She would make my house bare. She would pull it all from our own personal. <laughs> That's how I started. That's hilarious. You'd like walk out to your living room. There'd be no couch. Yeah. Like, like we have on? people over dinner. I'm like, sorry, my house is empty, but I had a, I had a listing. Yeah. It looked like we got robbed, which yeah. is a good thing. Cause that means she had a listing. Yeah. So, and then that progressed to me shopping, um, you know, home goods. I found so much stuff at Burlington Coat Factory. It's insane. But, you know, every new listing needs new, like, white towels. I put up usually white curtains, a lot of throws, pillows. Just make it look like when you walk in, I want it to smell good. I want it to look good. All the lights on. Like, I want it to be that first experience that they're going to buy the house. And, um the the clients just love that you go above and beyond, you know, because that's my favorite part. I love the staging part, but the money's in the real estate. <laughs> yeah, oh, I th I think it is so fascinating and so great that you would take the stuff out of your own house to go kind of furnish them and make them look good, especially at, when we're early on in business. It really is a whatever it takes type a grind, thing. and yeah. I have no shame. I really don't like you know. I just wanted it to be really really good for them. Yeah. So if somebody wants to start doing this, so somebody's a new yeah. agent or been an agent for a while and they want to start, you know, doing some of the, of the furnishings themselves, the staging themselves, what are like three or four tips you would give them for sure? I heard you say yeah. you know, nice white towels, white, always drape. get new white towels for the bathroom, always declutter. Um, and then just try to create an environment. Like, so the basement, I like have a kid's table from Pottery Barn that I take to every listing and put like Dr. Seuss books, her art on the top, just so when someone comes in, they're like, okay, I can see my family in this space and then have like a workout zone. And I mean, it doesn't take a lot, like some weights and some bottled waters for that area. I mean, I, I try to do more than that, but if you're on a budget, towels, rugs, pillows you, on the couch in bed and make it look just nice rugs, just all clean stuff like that. New kitchen towels. Yeah, I have a closet of window treatments. I have a staging closet that I'm actually having a professional organizer this week come and help me organize because there's just stuff. Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchastegui for a quick commercial break. So during 2020 and 2021, the real estate market completely changed. There's so much competition in the market, so many people trying to buy and sell houses, but there's hardly any supply, hardly any product, hardly anyone willing to list their homes. It's time for every agent out there to become a hybrid agent investor to be able to reach out directly to homeowners to try to get them to sell or list their house. We've got a new website. Go to leadpropeller.com and you can set up your own investor buyer website in just minutes. You'll set up your own URL, set up phone numbers, help go through the leads, help reach out to people that aren't listing their, pro their property currently and have them fill out a form that says, hey, I want to sell my house. And then as an agent, you can go through and make them a hybrid offer. You can tell them, hey, I think your house would sell for $220,000 on MLS, but I can either write you a $180,000 cash offer right now, or I can help you fix it up and you'll list it for $220,000 on MLS. These are buyers that are looking for quick cash offers. Tens of thousands are submitting these forms every single day and they're skipping the listing process. But so many of you guys out there are such good agents. It's a great opportunity to get that lead and help them maximize sales price for their home. So again, go to leadpropeller.com and think about signing up for your own investor site so buyers will start reaching out to you, asking you to make an offer on their home. 
Because you everywhere. got too, too much stuff in your staging closet. That's, yeah. that's awesome. So your first year, you got that first listing. It yeah. didn't sell, but it, it helped at least you know, show people that you were an agent and give you more you know, business. How was the rest of that first year? So I ended up finishing um, second uh, for the rookies in my company, um, which is great. And I work for FC Tucker. I'm in the Fisher's Guys location. So the first year was great. Um, and like I said, I found I was pregnant right then. So then the second year I had a baby um, and I still did more than the previous year. So each year it keeps getting a little bit better. And each year I keep going down on my nurse practitioner so I can free up some time. So how did you get the rest of your listings the first year or the rest of your business? All sphere. I mean, all family and friends, because being a nurse, I'm the person everybody called like, Hey, I have sinus infection. Should I take this? Hey, um, what should I give my kid for this? So people were used to calling me as a resource and it just went to real estate. And, you know, and if I was talking real estate ever came up, I always pulled Matt in it because he was so knowledgeable. So, so did anyone ever, ever call you and say, how do I break the fever? And you were like, by the way, I'm an agent now. Oh, <laughs> I've had lots of those conversations. Yeah. You're like, by the way, once your son is feeling better, have you thought about selling your house? Oh, this is a crazy story. So I had a client who was doing new construction and they would go to the home site where the house was being built like every day. So this day they went with their family and um, the workers had a kid, one of their kids on the site, which they weren't supposed to have. And the kid threw like a small um, two by four piece out the window and it hit my client in the head. And um, they called me and was like, we just got hit in the head. I'm like, okay, you need to go to the ER and get a CAT scan. You know, he ended up having a concussion. So, oh my God. You know, I'm like, but I'm your real estate agent, but you need to go, like, you know what I mean? So it, yeah. it crosses paths. You would never, I would have never imagined that, that being a nurse and an agent on the same day was going to cross paths with the same person. But the, Everybody that's why they require sometimes. hard hats on most of those construction new, yeah. Or at least when I used to sell new, new homes, we used to require people wearing hard, yeah. hot, hard hats out there. The, yeah, I think the builders changed some policies since then. How many deals did you do this year? What'd you say? How many deals are you going to do this year? Um, right now, I am pended at about six million. Okay, and the average sales price still two fifty out there. Mine's three hundred. Okay. Yeah. And then, how are you getting most of your leads today? Still, family and friends. It's been great, or open houses. So, I had a client that I met at an open house, and I sold her a house. And then I sold our daughter a house and then I sold her brother-in-law a house. So once I built those relationships, like I've gotten to know the family and Matt's done like all the loans, refis. So it's just kind of like we've built it. And I was telling you before, you know, one of the things that I do um, instead of pot buys is I send my client Amazon Prime gifts. So like I have a client named Jeff and Jeff loves garages. Like when we were looking for houses, it was all about the garage. So we found the house, closed it. He gave me a referral recently, which was great. But I would Amazon prime him like a Yeti. That's like, if you need me, I'm in my garage. And he just loves it. So I just specialize to like what I know about my client and send him a gift that kind of correlates with their personality. Yeah, that, take, that takes a lot of effort to send personalized gifts. Yeah, like but that. it's easier than going shopping and driving around and dropping it off. Yeah. You know, so you're, you're just paying attention and then, and you're sending that to him at closing? No. So I do closing gifts yeah. for sure. 
And I just do that at least every quarter, all my clients, they get something. So they, they remember me. And I usually say what just, Hey, like I just did some pumpkin candles, happy fall. Y'all love team Denig, Matt and Sarah, you know, just to keep them thinking about us. Super cool. So somebody that you represented two years ago, they, they're going to get a candle that says happy fall. Yeah. And I mean, I honestly, like a lot of my clients become friends. We just went to a birthday party of one of my clients whose house I sold. I didn't know them at all before. And they follow us on social media and they see our crazy kids and they're like, my kids are the same age. And, you know, so they get, it's really great with social media because people, when you talk to them, even if it's been a while, they feel like they know you because you're posting stuff. And, And on that note, I also recommend don't just post real estate all the time. Share stuff that's going on in your life. Definitely. Yeah. So the so most of your stuff is with is with your sphere. And mm-hmm. so what it, what advice would you give other agents on how to on how to do that? I mean, so originally you talked about you know social media, yeah. about letting people know and like being not being afraid to tell them that hey, you're a, a resource in real estate. Yeah. Do you do any sort of like super intentional outreach to your sphere? Other, other than the, and the, I think the, the giving gifts every few months is, is an amazing yeah. idea just to make sure you get that referral the next time. Anything for I new clients? The deal is just like be a good person and things will happen for you, you know, like kind of show your personality and you'll just connect with people. But also if we're at dinner and we like hear somebody talking about real estate, we're like, did you say real estate? You know, yeah. we're just kind of so extra sometimes. Do you guys do any open houses together? We haven't. Um, since she started and we had kids and everything kind of got crazy. So when she's doing open house, I'm typically on kid duty. So mm-hmm. it's been kind of one of those that um, we haven't had a chance to do a great deal. And to be honest with you, the way the market's been in the last year to year and a half, it's sold before we get to an open house. Uh, yeah. I mean, things have been, been selling yeah, before you even get to the weekend. And so if you schedule it, it's canceled because it's already sold with multiple offers. It's been kind of a crazy market here for sure. So I think one of the things that you guys get to do as a, I know you do, you do a lot of work together. You do plenty of work apart, but there's times you get to offer kind of this package deal scenario, right? Like they get to you know, hire you as their agent, Sarah, and then they'll, and then Matt will be able to help them through the mortgage process. How do you, yeah. how do you introduce that? How do you, how do you like promote that? Do your people already know because of social or is it a conversation you have soon after they ask about buying a house? It, it's usually just, it pretty much kind of happens organically. You know, if somebody's talking about real estate, we're just talking about it too, telling about the market. Like I have one person I've put 10 offers on um, and we still don't have anything on the contract. We started in April and Matt had to do, what was it, a rescore because it had been so long? Yeah, I had a repool credit and credit dropped for a miscellaneous collection. And so it's been one of those things that, you know, we've kind of stayed in touch. We And since then, obviously, we've had that relationship since then. But I think Sarah does a very good job is not saying, hey, here's who you have to use. Here's, you know, and, and just spitting out here. It's my husband. He does this. And, you know, here's what his rate is. It, it does happen more organically. And typically, you know, again, if it's Saturday or Sunday and it's, you know, during three or four o'clock in the afternoon or nine o'clock at night, well, guess what? I'm right next to her, right? So if there's mortgage questions that pop up, 
I'm right there. And so I'm always able to kind of introduce myself that way to, to be an added benefit, not just to say, hey, I want to do your mortgage, but to say, hey, here's kind of what you can expect. Here's the process. You know, do you want me to run you a payment? Do you want me to run you, you know, anything that the client might need? Because in today's age, I mean, a, a lot has changed because you used to be able to do a contingent offer and say, hey, my house is going to be for sale. And, you know, how does that work? Well, now no one's really accepting contingency offers in our market. So we really have to try to get creative. And now that we've kind of, you know, put our heads together and, you know, we've been doing this for a while, we offer them some options and kind of go over all of those things. And I think that's one thing that can kind of help distinguish us from, you know, just from a bank or a lender or, you know, whatever is out there. And by all means, we say, hey, here's, you know, here's numerous different websites. Obviously, I want you to get the best deal as well. So let's go ahead, put our heads together. Here's where I'm at, you know, and by then we already have rapport. We already have a relationship and people use who they want to feel comfortable with and who they like. And who right? they trust. Yeah. The, so I had I, a client the other day and we were getting ready to close and we couldn't get a hold of their lender. It was with a bank and it was with a bank and they had, what did they do with taxes? Well, in Indiana, they just do what's called a tax paration. So they, the seller actually ends up paying a tax paration, um, which is going to be a credit to the, to the seller. And it was an out of state lender who actually had done that. And she presented it and said, Hey, I feel this is my home bank. I'm going to go ahead and use them. Sorry, Matt. So I said, all right, no problems. You know, no hurt feelings. And her and Sarah went along with the deal. Well, at the end of it, their cash to close was like $3,000 off. And the client was extremely upset. They were not, and they were coming in from out of state for closing. They did not want to come in from out of state knowing that the numbers were $3,000 higher. So Sarah said, hey, can you sit down and look at some of these numbers? We need to figure out why this is off because the other loan officer just was not returning the phone call. So, well, he actually called me and asked me why it was off and he didn't realize that well, Indiana <laughs> pays in rears. And I said, can you just send it to me and I'll have my husband look at it. So Matt had to explain the whole thing to my client after he initially did all the work to get her pre-approved, but she ended up going with a different rate. But the only reason we got to closing is because he was able to explain to her what it was. It was actually right, but they disclosed it wrong at the beginning. So, woo, yeah, you yeah. know, always putting out them fires. Hey, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Buchastegui, and I'm interrupting myself to bring you this commercial break from one of our sponsors. And I know, I know you guys would much rather listen to the content and not the ads and not the sponsors, but this is one that I'm actually super, super excited with. You know, so many of the realtors that we interview on the show, they talk about how much systems are important and how much follow-up is important. And I'm really, really excited about our new sponsor. There's somebody I've been looking at for a long time. And when they reached out to me, I said, yes, we have to be able to do this deal. So that sponsor is Follow Up Boss. You know, on an interview last week with agent Mark McGuire, I asked him what his favorite software and what his favorite system was. And he said it was Follow Up Boss. And then he went on for another three or four minutes to talk about why Follow Up Boss was the best CRM he uses. So there's a lot of superstars out, out there that use Follow Up Boss. Some of the stats they gave me, Robert Slack, 1.5 billion team in Florida, number one in the US. He uses Follow Up Boss to get a 400% ROI on his massive paid lead spend. Deborah Beagle, co-owner of the Ashton Group in Nashville, 
uses follow-up boss to guarantee the agents who join her team get two homes under contract in the first 90 days. That's a big guarantee for new agents. Barry Jenkins of the, your friends in real estate uses follow-up boss to automate everything so his team can produce 200 million on 25 hour work weeks. All right, so here's an offer. You guys are gonna get this special for being Real Estate Rockstars listeners. Now, I've, I've used Follow Up Boss. We've actually used it in our non-real estate businesses as well because it's so good at being able to set timers, set automatic texting and emailing, and what do, what do you know, best name ever, Follow Up. So here's what we got. For Real Estate Rockstars listeners, you get a 30-day free trial. That's normally 14 days. So in order to get this, you go followupboss.com forward slash rockstars. So again, followupboss.com, just like it sounds, forward slash rockstars. Go there, get your 30-day free trial, and check it out, especially if you aren't using any systems or any CRMs yet. This will be a great one for you to start with. All right, everybody, thanks again. Now back to our show. Well, so much of success in real estate is just being educated, right? And, and knowing yeah. the process and, and knowing and knowing what the what the closing statement means and what those numbers are. So when you guys get to go after that together, that's definitely extra knowledge that most most average agents don't have. And there's so much of the early conversation if somebody calls and and they're first saying, "Hey, I, I want you to represent me as a buyer." Like, "Oh, hey, Sarah, you're an agent. I saw this house on Zillow. Can you show it to me?" I know that it, usually the first question is, okay, are you pre-qualified, right? Uh-huh. Like the, nobody wants to be out there like showing houses. And then after the fact, they find out that the person can't afford the house that I don't think, I don't know if that happens as often anymore, but it used to happen a yeah. lot. You know, does it, so do you yeah. have, have them pre-qual first? So what usually happens with that is um, it just kind of depends. A lot of times I'll have people, uh, I let them know, like a lot of people shop by what they can afford on monthly. So they have a house they like, I send it to Matt, run numbers. He can tell them what it all is in. Um, They fill out the app and then we go and check out the house. But um, I like to have that knowledge up front to see what they can even afford before we start the whole deal. Yeah. So Matt, the right now, is there anything, it's a competitive market on the buyer side. Is there anything that buyers can do, you know, with their lender to help get their offer accepted? Are there any you know, tips to succeed on the lending side? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've kind of had to adapt and see how we can, you know, provide a value to our agents and our buyers. But I mean, I would say the first thing kind of starts with that pre-approval process. So I mean, typically in the past, people are just going to a online bank of, you know, X or Y and then printing out, putting in, hey, I make this, my credit score is that, and then it'll, you know, print off a, a pre-approval. So we don't do that. I mean, I actually collect the documents up front. I collect the credit up front. So I, I am not just asking these people. I am seeing the their income. I'm seeing the pay stubs. I'm seeing the credit. Uh, so I'm not just you know, throwing out a pre-approval. I'm, it's a legitimate pre-approval that I've already ran through automatic underwriting. Um, and then not only that, I mean, I call the agents and say, hey, here's who I am. Um, here's a little bit of information about me. I'll send you the pre-approval. Here's some information on a cover letter about me as well, my company. Um, and that's, that seemed to really work because they're obviously people want to work with, you know, people that they enjoy and they like. But also if you're throwing out a company's pre-approval versus, you know, someone who actually you can put a face and a name with who is local that you know that you're going to be able to get a hold of, uh, especially with a good, you know, reputation of Fairway, that is definitely something that helps. And then that way, if, you know, those agents say, hey, I have any specific questions, you know, it's going to help 
if I know, you know, can the buyer close within a certain amount of days or, you know, is there flexibility, like anything that I can help provide that agent so that we can get our accepted offer over the 10 other offers is going to be huge. So, I mean, that is one thing that we do. Uh, the other is really providing, you know, kind of going back to the, the not accepting a contingent offer is there's something out there called a recast. And what a recast allows the buyer to do is say that buyer has a home to sell and they're planning on putting down 20%. Well, a lot of their, a lot of that down payment is going to be caught up in the equity in their home. And they say, Matt, I don't have, you know, full 20 or 30% to put down on the property. You know, I really wish I did, but we're going to have to sell our home before we do that. Well, what a recast will allow as little as 5% down, as long as that buyer qualifies, they can do 5% down, maybe not have to sell their home. That way they can get an accepted offer, make a non-contingent offer. And then when their home sells, they can do that recast, which will uh, allow for a reamortization of that loan. So you get to keep the same low rate that you locked into. You don't have to refinance. So it's less expensive. It's only 150 to $250. And then once they get all that equity, let's say they got $100,000 in equity out of their property, they literally can put down that money and that will lower their monthly overall payment and get rid of the PMI or whatever they were concerned about up front. So that's one thing that has really worked for us so that they don't have to you know, make a contingent offer and move, or move forward. Twice. Yeah, or move twice and move forward right away. And a lot of people in that realm you know, can come up with a little bit less than you know, that 20% down. And I think that has been a, a large thing. Not only that, but appraisal gaps are starting to become a, a very big thing here. The norm. Yeah. yeah. And that's almost on every deal just because you're getting multiple offers. So if that buyer does have, say, you know, 20% down, we can have a conversation and say, hey, Mr. Barber, Miss Barber, let's look at maybe doing 5% down or 10% down and using that other 40,000 or 30,000, whatever that might be. And let's bridge that appraisal gap, right? Yeah. So it just depends on how bad you want that house. Cause we can still get you qualified at 10% down. There's programs I can still eliminate your mortgage insurance with as little as 5% down. And then let's go ahead and look at applying the other. If, if that's a red hot button for the seller to do that appraisal gap, let's go ahead and do that. They don't care what you're putting down because in their eyes, it's their bottom line number, right? So they don't care if you're putting five or 20% down, but they want to know if it doesn't appraise that you have the funds. So by doing that and allowing a little bit more flexibility on the loan program, a little bit less down payment, but still being able to know that they can close and come through on that loan, it, it definitely gives, gives buyers at least a couple options, which is really what they want to know. If it's the recast, if it's the appraisal gap, um, they, they want to have those options out there. So, and the last one, you know, that I'll kind of discuss too, is kind of more for investors, but it's, it's also, I've seen parents wanting to buy for their, their children. They have funds. Uh, you can do what's called delayed financing and delayed financing is you can buy the house cash. And typically you'll need to wait six months in order to do a cash out refinance and kind of get liquid again with delayed financing. You can actually do it immediately. So it allows the investor or whoever, say that mom and dad, their, their son or their daughter kept getting beat out because they were offering you know, a lower down payment or an FHA type of loan, but now they bought it cash, right? Or the investor can go in and say, I wanna buy it cash now. 
Well, they normally don't want to do that because then they're tied up with all those funds being involved in that house. Yeah. So with delayed financing, now they can go ahead and, and immediately get 80% of their appraised value right back out of it and then be able to go on and buy another property or, you know, kind of move on and at least know that their son, daughter or whatever got the house. And now they're not worried about it because they got some of their investment back as well, instead of just giving a, you know, a 20% gift. There's a lot of info packed in right there. And really for, for anyone listening, right? There's so many agents that are reaching out to me saying, how do I get my offer accepted? How can I get my offer to stand apart? So if you know, people listening, one thing that you should have learned from that is have deep, deep conversations with your lenders and try to figure out what options there are. Because yes, there's plenty of times we, I got a contingent offer on a deal today, right? We got a contingent offer. Somebody needs to sell their house first and they're, um, and they're making a big, a big purchase, right? But being able to look at that and be able to coach them to say, yes, I know you're 20% down, but now that it didn't appraise, we can switch you to a five and now you can cover the gap. Do you still want the house? I think that's brilliant or being able to have them set that up at the beginning so they can close. Now with that, like the recasts they're talking about, they can actually buy the other house, close with 5% down, and then move into it. And once their house sells, they just add the extra 15% and it changes the, the loan terms around? Yeah, it doesn't change the loan term. So if they're in a 30-year fixed at, say, 3%, the advantage is they still get to take advantage of that rate. The rate doesn't change. But say their payment was $2,000 a month. And now they got a hundred thousand in equity that they want to go ahead. Their home sold. They put that hundred thousand in the recast. Now their payments twelve hundred. So yeah. you know initially they didn't want to be at two thousand for a payment, and that was too high for them, right? Well, knowing that their house is going to sell in this market, and knowing that the it was a dream home that came on, you know this is an amazing opportunity for them. Now they're able to go ahead, knowing that that might be a one to two month, very short term higher payment. Because it reamortizes the entire loan, so that now your your payment's going to be twelve hundred moving forward. So it gave them the opportunity. It didn't have you know anything to do with losing out on the home or having to sell. It's just a, another opportunity that a, a lot of lenders don't present, but it's out there. It's a good one. So investors, so what? And then the the one where the investor can buy in cash and refi a couple weeks later. Do they start that loan process before purchase? Like as soon as they get something in escrow? Yeah. So I would definitely have a conversation with your mortgage professional before you do it because there is stipulations. And depending on if you have an LLC, who's purchasing the property, uh, where the funds are coming from, there is certain restrictions with that. And you want to make sure before you just buy a house cash and assume you can get that money back, right? You want to make sure that you're kind of dotting all your I's, crossing the T's. So 100% get with your mortgage professional before you do that. So you can kind of figure out, you know, all of that aspect so that when you do buy it, you know exactly the steps. So, hey, I bought it. Now here's what Matt told me. And then here's how, you know, all the down payment money came from. I know that I needed my closing disclosure. I'm going to send that to Matt after closing. And so it, there's just a process. And you want to make sure that you're ahead of the process before you do it and jump into everything. Yeah. Lending so what he's saying, Aaron, is that if you want to buy your entrepreneur daughter a house here in Indiana, cash, we got you. We got away. We can buy it in got cash. You. you guys can refight out. Yeah, the I know from social media, the she is crushing it. Soon, soon she'll be outperforming me and everything. She even she even brags about all of her social media views compared to mine. She was making fun making fun of me the other day. 
And she goes, oh, that's you only had a thousand people viewing your thing today. I get that in the first couple hours. It's like, thanks, honey. That's sweet. <laughs> the uh, now the so one of the questions, Sarah said, if you were going to be on a panel, what would you call the name of your panel? And the answer you said is it said, if you're going to be on stage of how, how you succeed, what would the name of your panel be? And your answer was just do it. Yes. The, so tell me about that. I think that we get in our own way all the time. And most of the time things always work out. So if you're having a thought and it gets you excited, just go for it. You know, I think it's so interesting because when you're 18 and you're getting ready to go to college, you have no idea what you want to be when you grow up. I mean, what your uh, podcast with uh, Mike McCarthy the other day was discussing is, you know, teaching your kids how to sell things. And I think that's so amazing. And that's why that was one of my favorite podcasts, because I feel like growing up, I didn't really have a lot of exposure to things. So my mom is a nurse. So I just thought I'll just be a nurse. And then once I was a nurse, I was like, well, I better, you know, become a nurse practitioner. But um, I think that in this life, it's so short and we can do anything we want to. So just do it. Don't be scared to go for it and see what happens. I mean, what's the worst? You're going to fail. Oh, well, on to the next. Yeah. Hey, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Muchastegui with a quick commercial break. Now you've been listening, you've been waiting, and now the big Rent Ready mystery can be revealed. Rent Ready just launched rental property accounting for landlords. It's so new, I haven't even got a chance to check it out yet. Now you can easily connect your rental properties from Rent Ready to an accounting software created specifically for landlords with Rent Ready's newest partner, REI Hub. Now I've used a lot of payment processing systems in the past, and it's always been a challenge even asking them to generate APIs so it can talk to our existing systems. And they're really, any software that collects payments doesn't make it very easily to do that. But now with RentReady, you can automatically transfer properties and charges from your RentReady profile. You can track your income and expenses with matching rules and payment templates to speed up your bookkeeping. View your profit and loss or cash flow by property or unit. Get your portfolio's balance sheet, schedule ease, and more. Guys, we're so excited about this. And here's something even more exciting. As always, with Rockstars, you get a special, special opportunity. If you're not currently using RentReady, you can sign up using our special code ROCKSTAR50 and get 50% off your RentReady subscription. Once you set up your properties, you can add rental property accounting as a premium feature. If you're currently using RentReady, go check out the new accounting features designed to save you time and money while you manage your business. And remember, it's RentReady with an I at the end, R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com. Thanks for listening. Go check them out. Out, out in Indiana, where you are, is it mostly end user buyers buying homes or are there a lot of investors in the market buying rentals? We have so many um, investors who are paying cash because Indiana is really um, a cash flow state. Um, you can buy a rental and just it's just cash flow. So we have a ton of investors and we've also seen a lot of people from the city like sell and come beat us out with cash that a lot of us can't compete with. Um, because, you know, I mean, you come from New York, you come to Indiana, you're like, oh my gosh, I can get so much, you know, it's crazy. That's what brought me to Texas. The, uh, yeah. I saw Texas was so much different than the stuff that I was looking at out in, in California for cash flow and everything yeah. else. So if somebody buys a $200,000 house over in the areas you cover, what, what does that rent for? Uh, 200,000. So it's hard to get in the area that we're at for 200,000 and fishers or the guys. We're kind of in a boating community. But if you were to go into Indianapolis, a 200000 would probably rent around 1250 a month. Okay. Um, we have a rental that is, what? what is it worth? Yeah, ours is a townhome. It's about 2,400 square feet. 
and it just rented for 2000 a month. So, and it's in Indianapolis. So you can get a little bit more there, but I would say a house in a neighborhood that's, you know, four or five bedroom, anywhere from three to 5,000 a month. Yeah. Yeah. But we have uh, like corporate, like an, uh, like, for instance, if you have a house that's like $500,000, you can still get a good rental opportunity because we have Eli Lilly and some companies here that bring families in and want to do a long-term rental in a nice high-end neighborhood. So there's opportunity everywhere, every price range. So 2020, you're a full-time nurse practitioner and COVID hits and you're a real estate agent. So I said, you know what, I'm going to take a break from being an NP. So I, I stopped for like eight months because we have two small children and I just wasn't really wanting to be in the hospital at that time. Yeah. Um, so I switched paths of what I was doing as a nurse practitioner after COVID and just did real estate full time. So the, and then you were able to get back in and not lose any of your light. You were able to take time off and not lose any of your licensing stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So what was real estate like then in 2020? What was it like the first couple, like April and May of 2020? You know, what was it like near the end of the year? It was like walking into an OR. It was like, get your surgical crap on, your gloves, your mask, and go show houses. Um, I did a lot of virtual showings, but I don't feel like we really slowed down. I mean, no, I think people, it was more highlighted. Hey, I, it's magnified. I don't want to live in this house. I want something else. I'm here all the time. So I feel like it was a good push for people to look. And also me being a nurse, they're like, well, if she's willing to go, I'm willing to go. <laughs> so all right. Nice. The, I guess people have always relied on you for some of your, that health advice. So it just came back in. Yeah. Did you do more listings or buy side um, during that little time? Buyers. All right. The end is mostly buyers saying I'm ready to go somewhere else. A lot of first time buyers during that time. Um, I do a good amount of first time buyers. What usually it is, is it it's a buyer. And I know that if I find them a house, then I get to list their house. So that's a beautiful thing. But you know, it's so crazy real estate because you can feel like you have nothing going on. And then it's like crazy. And then you have a listing and a buy and like, we got to go. Um, so, I mean, you know, it's fun. So the, if you're going to give some advice about the best way agents can succeed over this next year, yeah, right? like in the, in this competitive market, we've talked about like, you know, a few tips so far, any extra tips for, for how people can make sure they succeed in real estate right now? Um, I would just promote yourself the best you can. Um, I feel like it's anno- like when you're doing social media all the time, you kind of feel annoying, like, Oh, I have to posting this again, but People really are watching, even if they're not commenting, when you see them in the store, they're like, how's it going? And they want to talk about real estate. And it's a good icebreaker if you haven't seen somebody in a long time. And everyone always, like when I first got in, was like, I can't believe you're leaving being an NP to do real estate. Like, is that really going to work out for you? And I'm like, yeah, it sure is. Like, we're going to make it work no matter what. So um, I think just promote yourself. I'm not big, I'm trying to think how to say this. I think that what you should do is try to bring real estate into conversations without being annoying and make it seem more seamless. I don't know. What do you think, Matt? Yeah. I mean, make it, make it be organic. You're a little bit different in the sense that I'm more outgoing and forthcoming with that. If I hear someone talking about real estate, I'm like, Oh, 
you know, I do loans, right? And they're like, oh, no. So, I mean, whereas most people wouldn't bring it up, I, there's really no shame, you know, in that. And I think that not being overly aggressive, but letting people know what you do and know, you know, letting them know that you're there if they do have any questions, because what you're going to find is they might not have any right then, but guess what? You know, if they keep seeing you on social, if they, you know, keep seeing you at the neighborhood parties, like they're eventually going to have some things that pop up, you know, they see and hear things all the time on news and they don't have necessarily an outlet to ask questions to. So if we're their friends, they see us all the time, they're going to start opening up and asking those questions. And that's going to eventually starting, start to lead to, you know, on my side to, to refis or pre-approvals and Sarah's side listings and, and Hey, I didn't want to bug you, but I just saw a house pop up in this neighborhood that I've been interested, you know, for 10 years. Would you mind taking a look at it? Would you mind maybe running some comps and is it a good deal? And you'd be surprised how many people have reached out just kind of out of the blue that, you know, weren't quote unquote looking, but now they're interested. And the big, like, what's my home worth? So we do that. I get that question a lot. We do HomeBot um, as well. Um, yep. So that's kind of, you know, just an interesting tool that uh, if I know you and I have your email, you're set up on that, <laughs> like it or not. Do you use any other CRMs? What'd you say? Do you use any other technology, any other CRMs other than HomeBot? Um, we have a CRM through Tucker that I use. So I have everybody plugged into that uh, for their birthdays and move-in anniversaries and that kind of stuff. And then what are you using? Uh, we use the same. So I use HomeBot, which stays in touch with people and it's kind of an added value. It gives them a Hey, what's my home worth? But not only that, it takes it a little bit further. It's very user-friendly. It also goes into, you know, what what equity position you are in. What could you maybe take that equity with and maybe buy an investment property? Uh, what could you rent your house out for? Uh, so it, it just dives in a little bit more. But more than anything else, it is a set it and forget it technology that we stay in contact with everyone once a month. So it's not overbearing. My click-through rate's about 70%. Um, so I don't know what else I could do to, you know, stay in front of people and I still get that click through rate. But I mean, yeah, we, with the pot by staying, just staying in front of people as well as you can and staying relevant. And if that's through social, if it's through, you know, technology like HomeBot, if it is, you know, I don't care if it's writing down a birthday in your calendar at home and then following up with those people specifically through text, phone calls. Hey, I was thinking about you. I mean, you need to be doing something because you need it, to add value. Yeah. If you're not, someone is mm -hmm. just remember that. That's the best part about that. The home bot email essentially says like, Hey, your house is worth $50,000 more today than when you bought it. And rates are, you know, one point lower. Like it's, it's adding value. Plus right now in this increasing market, it's such an easy thing to get. Everyone loves clicking on what's my house worth today. Mm -hmm. What's, what's my equity today. We like to dream about you know, like I have that money if I need it. I can tap sure. into that money if I need it. I can sell that one if I need it. I can refi if I need it. So can you, it's it's already been an hour as we've been chatting through this. Time, time flies, flies. You're having fun. I can hear I can hear your kids be, trying to figure out if they're going to get to come join the. Uh, Sorry about um, that. <laughs> my son is at a movie right now, or he'd be in here, you know, jumping and screaming mm -hmm. already. I think you've seen him a couple times uh, jump into into the podcast. So. As we're wrapping this thing up, so are you guys still getting multiple offers on everything out there? You know, people always offering over asking, just a crazy market. Yep. 25 to 30 over is, you know, not uncommon and anywhere from a 10 to 20 to uncapped appraisal gap. 
What do you think the market's going to do over the next year? I mean, I can tell you on my side of things, they're talking about rates going up. Yeah. And so one of the big things, especially when COVID hit, rates were the lowest that they've ever been historically. So people were refinancing. They weren't necessarily looking to move. They didn't know what the economy was going to do. They didn't know what rates were going to do. And with rates being super low, they just went ahead and refinanced. And what that did was it caused really, you know, in, in our market, it caused a shortage of supply as well. And the demand has just been so pent up since then that I don't really see it slowing down. I mean, even with rates starting to, to rise a little bit, they're still historically low. Uh, I mean, I remember when I bought in 2008, rates were seven and a quarter. And when I bought, I, I locked in at five and a quarter and I thought I got the deal of a century. Oh, right? yeah. But yeah. now, you know, you run into millennial buyers, you run into people so used to rates being at 3% or 2.99 that even with rates start to go up, I think it's going to get some people off of the fence. I think it's going to open up some supply. And I really don't see it slowing down a great deal and at least in the next year. I agree. I think that uh, rent is just going to go up. And so that's just going to change things. Um, and also all these people who, you know, the generation that didn't downsize because of COVID, hopefully we'll start to see some inventory open up because hopefully they'll start to sell soon. Yeah. I know in my neighborhood, there's a lot of, of really large houses that only, you know, one or two people live in that in normal times, they would have would have sized out, but we're not planning on making any changes over the last 18 months. I do think we're going to see some new inventory shifts at that point. I think uh, Matt's point about the lending, the refinances is really interesting because yes, when people could refinance and cash out 30 or 50,000 bucks and get a lower rate, it used to be to get that equity, you have to sell, right? So, so much of the time, what, the reason people were selling was to cash out some of that equity, putting it in somewhere else and getting to use some of that money, you know, for other things. But when rates are so low, even as investors, we look at houses and we're like, okay, I bought it for this. I could sell it for 300 today, but I could also get a loan for 275 on it. I bought it for 200. So if I can essentially refinance, that's like selling it to myself. I can get the cash as if I sold it, but then I get to keep it as this long-term investment. So I think when rates are low, that happens a lot. We've done it. It's been happening with a lot of my investment properties where I've decided to not sell because I could get almost as much money out of them by refinancing and going long-term. If rates yeah. start to go up, I do think it'll release some of that supply as well. I think so, we get the question a lot too. It's like, should I, like, what's the market going to do? Should I buy now or should I wait? And I think that we have a lot of the conversation with people, like even if the rate goes up half percent, the house that was, you know, yeah, I mean, if it's two, 250000 if rates go up, you know, you're looking at $200 more a month. But I mean, not, not only that, you're also looking at people who are making the decision to waive a appraisal, waive a inspection. And you take those things for granted, too, because, you know, when if, it, yeah, if yeah. you do sell and, hey, I didn't know I, my house had mold. I mean, not too many people know their house has mold, right? But if, if you're getting people who are waiving those things and, and taking the chance on that, that could be a savings of, you know, five to $10,000 that you didn't even know about. And now if you're getting it waived, that's, a, that's, that's huge that you're not going to get in the future if the market changes. Yeah, well, I, can, I can see why you guys are doing so well out there uh, as a team in the market, both individually, experts at what you're doing. Um, how much longer, Sarah, until you decide to not be a nurse practitioner at all? 
Stay tuned. <laughs> You're like, we will see. I'm not logging into anything right now. The uh, Any last thoughts? Anything else that you want to make sure that our listeners hear? So Matt is licensed in Indiana, Kentucky, and Florida. Yeah. All right. Uh, that I am. Yeah. North Carolina and Illinois. But and if you're moving to Indiana, please call us because we will take care of you. We are the, a one-stop shop. I bet people in those places will definitely reach out to you, especially to learn some of those lending tips. I might reach out to you to work on some investments up there in Indiana with the way that it's sounding. And you guys have heard me say it a bunch of times before. My favorite people to interview are people that listen to the podcast or people that have been fans of the podcast or got some value from the podcast. And their biggest hope is to be able to come on and give back and pass on something else. So yes, bucket list for me too. It was so much fun getting to talk to both of you guys today and get to see you on here and hear the tips. So thank you for coming on the show. Thanks, Aaron. Thank you so much. And real estate rock stars. Thank you guys for listening until next time. All right, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Muchastegui jumping in again to thank you for listening to the show. Hopefully you guys loved listening to that one. And I want to make sure that you know about all of the extra resources that we have. And also we need your help. They say podcasts are free. You get to listen to podcasts for free. But what is the cost of that podcast? I would say if I could beg you to pay anything for that podcast, I would say the cost of the podcast is going and giving a review. So whether you download it on Google or Apple or YouTube or anywhere else, please go give us a review. Say what you liked, what you didn't like. It helps us get better guests. The more reviews, the higher we get in the rankings. Right now, we are the biggest podcast out there for real estate agents, and we want to keep that spot because we know there's lots of podcasts out there. So go give us a review. Also, be sure to go to hybendigital.com. If you liked any of the resources that those real estate agents talked about, we've got a huge video vault of those resources for free. Every penny that comes on the podcast that we interview, they give us something that helps them get their deals or helps them work with their clients. And we put that in the toolbox in our vault for you. So go to hybendigital.com and you can get it. If you're looking for real estate education, go to rebusuniversity.com. We have all sorts of courses in there to help agents succeed in real estate how to get the listing, how to negotiate deals, you know, how to become an investor, all sorts of different stuff, rebusuniversity.com. And if you want to chat with me, go find me on Instagram. If you come find me on Instagram, you can send me messages. Tell me what you want to hear. Tell me what you liked, what you didn't like. We try to put a bunch of content out there too. You can find me in two different places. It's at rerockstars.com for our Real Estate Rockstars page or at erinamuchastegui.com for my personal Instagram page where I can chat with you about all sorts of different things. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.